Hello, you're listening to No Such Word Is Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice, as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today, I get to sit down and talk to author Stacey McEwen, the author of the Glacian Trilogy. I am so excited to sit down and chat to her. Welcome to the podcast, Stacey. Thank you so much. It's so lovely to be here. I know. I think going from seeing your face every day on my For You page and TikTok to now getting to sit down with you, I feel like I already know you. But for anyone who maybe doesn't follow you and isn't familiar with your work, could you give yourself a little bit of an introduction? Oh, I'm honestly just some idiot that put her face online one day and somehow it went well. Um, <laughs> I don't know. How do I even go headlong into that? I have a handle on uh TikTok and on Instagram called Stace Bookspace that I basically just started as a place to uh, review books that I liked and and to talk about books that I like and and make fun of books um, and the different tropes that are there and it somehow turned into me giving um, detailed lessons to my husband so that he could become more like a fictional man and less like a non-fictional man. Um, It's going terribly but the following is going really well. Um, and on the side, I was also writing books. So thanks to um, my foray into trying to turn my husband into a fictional man, it somehow led to me getting a three book deal and releasing uh, my first fantasy trilogy, which is really exciting. It is. That's and me I in can... a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I can see your first book, Gladgets, on the bookshelf just behind you I know that my my listeners strategically can. placed yeah, yeah. Strategically I know that, placed. <laughs> I know my listeners can't um see it but it is beautiful so definitely head over to Stace Bookspace um to go and see what her books are about and we'll get into it a little bit later but has fantasy always been the genre that you were most drawn to yeah always my my genre of choice I would say that that's um it was sort of the bridge for me becoming um, a scholastic reader to an avid reader in my teen Mm. years. Um, I definitely branched out when I got a bit older, uh, but fantasy has always been the hook for me, the drawback. And it's always uh, been the only kind of manuscript that I can finish writing myself as well. I find Mm. if I tend to write outside of that genre, I I do lose interest. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just a favorite of mine. Yeah, I think so many people get drawn to fantasy for so many different reasons. You know, for me, it was a complete inability to remain in reality uh, and mental illness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you're honest about it. I think the first step is acknowledging that you are part of the problem, you know? Yeah, I I completely agree. And (laughs) hey, you know, if if we're going to, it's either the bottom of a wine glass or it's going to be bottom of a book and I'm going to, I'm going to choose a book every time um it hurts no one you know yeah I mean my husband might disagree when he's trying to get my attention for like the seventh time that day and I'm like I need to finish this book but you know what I fight this battle every single week but um there are worse things that we could be addicted to you know I completely worst ways to try and escape reality I feel like reading is probably pretty far down on the list yeah I, don't you think it's really funny that people are always like oh she's a reader like oh she's so sweet and innocent and she's a little bookworm like if only they had any idea what we were reading 
like we are all yeah, unhinged I, absolutely but I kind of I would like them to stay in the dark about it um <laughs> I I say this frequently to people when they're like if only they, they think I'm so sweet and innocent because I'm a reader if only they knew I'm like yeah but let's not tell them let's just can just let them continue to think that what we're reading is indeed very sweet and innocent I would like my reputation to remain mostly <laughs> unmarred by the truth um yeah there's only select yeah. few people only the bookish community understand and exactly. everyone outside of that is actually going to think we should be committed yes um so we need to keep this in-house yeah like my family are not allowed to read um the next series that I have coming up my mum is already very aware she's like I'll support you I'm like it's honestly it's okay mum you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> isn't it funny how they say it like that I'll support you I'm not starting an OnlyFans I'm just <laughs> writing a romance book there might be some adult themes some explicit scenes in there that's all yeah that I do not need my mother to know is coming out of my brain <laughs> oh no hell no I've uh, I've had both my parents and my mother-in-law read Ledge my first book and I've had both my parents read the second book as well and um wow what a torturous week to go through mm -hmm. uh did they I say anything after? again oh yeah like my dad is very vocal and also he he seems to get like he seems to get some sort of adrenaline rush from embarrassing me <laughs> um so he took this as prime opportunity no no far be it from him to read something like that that his own daughter has written and being like and we will never talk about it again I think that would be a natural response just to read it and then to go, that was nice. I will say, well done. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and that's it. We're not going to talk about it ever again. But no, not him. I got messages um, just in the middle of the day, just in the middle of my work day, just sitting at my desk innocently, just trying to get through another Wednesday. And I've got text messages coming up from my dad saying, what does it mean when she says his length? What is she talking about? What does she mean? Why is it hardening? And I'm like, Baba, if you don't stop messaging me right now, I'm afraid I'm going to have to leave the family. He's going through you know? tabbing, tabbing pages, like for, for the family birthday party. This is for their wedding anniversary. Like he's, he's Absolutely. getting stuff ready. <laughs> he really is. Um, but he knows it's like sent black because I actually asked him not to read it. I, I actually, I, I gave him the chapters that I didn't want him to read because he was avid that he was going to read it. He was like, no, 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 I have to read it. So he like, skipped no, to I've... those chapters. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, please skip these chapters. And he's, yeah, he quite literally probably wrote down, must read these chapters twice and annotate them. Um, he's a terrible person, but my mother, um, thankfully said nothing about those chapters or anything and she's probably the one I would have tolerated it more from you know mm. um something about your own dad like that's out of bounds for me um but he doesn't respect boundaries so he just went right on in um <laughs> my my mom did the right thing and didn't mention it my mother-in-law did the right thing and didn't mention anything like that but I still wish they hadn't read it at all you know or at least skip those chapters I don't I don't need them to read it that's the other thing. They were doing it out of a sense of loyalty to me and because they want to be supportive parents. But truly, I'm like, you can support me in other ways. I don't need this. Absolutely not. Um, do not require your critique. Yeah, I think my mother-in-law has read my books and has said not a peep. 
not a peep uh, like she Thank she god every time she buys it, i mean my first trilogy was ya so that's totally fine but then i came out with a romance novel that has lived every trigger warning under the sun in it and she sent me a photo of her holding the copy of the book and i was like i just married your son like six <laughs> months ago and you're telling me you're about to read <laughs> the film uh, oh this is my worst nightmare um, she said so nothing. I don't even. I don't even know if she's read it. Oh no! I'm so glad. You know what? She said nothing because she did read it. I know. And she doesn't know what to say. You know that's the reason why. <laughs> yeah. Because if sure. she hadn't read it yet, she'd be saying things like, "Oh, I'm going to get to your yeah. book. I can't wait. I've set a t- I've set aside some time to read it. I'm going to let you know how it goes." That's what she'd be saying. If she hasn't said a thing, you know, it's because she don't no longer knows how to speak to you as a human being. Probably. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you. My mother-in-law, who's the sweetest, most innocent woman I have ever met in my entire life, um, just said this to me. She went, I finished your book. It's very good. Very proud of you, darling. And that was it. And I was like, great. That is the the correct response. Thank you. (laughs) Let us never speak of it again. And oh I God. would have to assume that she's like, I'm not interested in reading further, but. <laughs> I know it's a trilogy, but I will be not partaking. <laughs> yeah, I will, <laughs> I will not be continuing to read further because I think it's best for our relationship if I don't. But, and I just think, you know, you didn't have to read the first one. Zero people asked you to. In fact, one of them said not to. I love that. I love that. I think it's, I think that's amazing. You know, everyone has very different reactions to reading um, your books. And I think as authors as well, we have very different reactions depending on who is reading your books. Um, Yeah. Like one of my best friends is my first beta reader. So anything I write, I will just send it to her and be like, you know, (laughs) is this making sense? Um, she's very busy she's very smart she works in a lab doing something i i can't even that sounds important right it's very important it's very like i don't know she could turn around the next day and tell me she's cured cancer for all i know i don't know um so she's very busy (laughs) and like every 12 hours i'll be like have you read any yet have you read any yet (laughs) it's the most annoying thing in the world yeah what page you want so who reads your, like, I know obviously we'll get into, you know, how you got your book deal, et cetera, but when you're writing, who's the first person apart from you that reads anything you've written? Well, first of all, I don't let anyone lay eyes on it until it's done. And I've at least mm. given it one read through. So I don't um, sort of give people like chapter by chapter or anything like that. Um, I have sort of two people or three people that I'm like, I would value mm. your critique. But having said that, I really shouldn't value their critique because their their critique is mostly like text messages that say, fuck you for that. Um, Hate you so much for killing that person off. You're a terrible human being for doing this to that character. There's lots and lots of screaming, lots of audio messages of just crying and or screaming from excitement. Um, Lots of inappropriate language going on. Uh, and so it's not it's not formal critique at all there's no there's like my beta read just turns into hysteria Uh, but it's very fun for me and at least I get those reactions usually at the end of it I'll have a phone conversation um, with them and they'll say like no I like how you did this and this and this and but you know and they'll give me some something actually tangible but throughout it's nothing but like just ludicrous just mania just manic reading um 
but also like that's also how I read their stuff so I can't really blame them and I think that's part of us hyping each other up as well yeah as beta readers to each other like they're my best friends um in this book community and I I trust their reactions implicitly um and I think they trust mine as well but it's just nice to have these people that are not only willing to read your book and give you um like criticisms and things that they loved about it and things that um and ideas that they have but just genuinely want it to to be good genuinely want you to do well um and genuinely excited for the next thing that you write like having people like that in your corner that are ready to read your book it makes it that whole slog of writing the book worth it in the end um I don't know about you but like my 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 big payoff from writing these books is getting reader reactions hopefully positive ones but you know the dm that just says I just read your book and I want you to know that I loved oh, yeah. it so much and I've been thinking about it all night or like you know just those types of um nice reactions not like for, like I don't go looking for reviews or anything that's not what I'm talking about um but just people that are popping in to say I read your book and, and I loved it and thank you for reading it like those sorts of um connections that I get to make with people oh, yeah. um that's the big payoff for me that's the reason that I want to keep doing it and um and I kind of get to have it straight away after finishing a manuscript from these three people and um so as much as their reactions are ludicrous and and are not helpful at all at least initially they're also so bolstering for me and um yeah and it's very much the reason that I write so um, it's very encouraging. yeah I love my beta readers Oh, hugely. And um, it just makes the whole thing worthwhile. It, it's you usually, I, I usually get myself into such a state by the end of the manuscript and by the end of the first read through that I will sit there staring at the ceiling going, does the, any of that even make sense? Like, do any of those dots even connect or are they only connecting in my own head? And um, even if they do, are they boring like does this even work is it going to connect with anyone ever are people going to read this and tune out mm. um so by the end I I tend to get myself into such a state of I don't think this is any good at all that mm. I truly do need someone there to read it immediately and convince me not to throw it into the fire um so yeah those <laughs> my beta readers uh, tend to just be my cheer squad so um, how do you so um how do you plot? Because this is very, this has always been very interesting to me. I'm a pantser, so I go in pretty much blind. I hate plotting. If I plot, I'm going to change it. So I make life hard for myself because I go and I discover what I'm writing as I go, but then I have to go back through all of it and start foreshadowing and adding stuff in that I've changed by halfway through. Do you, are you like a hardcore plotter? Because I've seen some people online that have everything written down before they start writing. Yeah, I am a hardcore plotter. Um, but I think that your way of plotting out a story is completely valid. It's just different. That's all. Um, you're still putting in everything that needs to be put in. You're just going about it in a slightly different way. Um, and I think it's, I don't think either way is right or wrong either. I just think we have like our, our brains work yep. in a certain way and we have to sort of lean into that. Um, I need a plan and I find if I don't know what's happening next or in the following chapter, then the, the writing just loses its way. Um, I get too distracted by character dialogue and everything will take a huge turn and I can't make those pieces connect at the end, especially not in something like a trilogy where it needs mm. to be an ongoing series. 
and there needs to be lots and lots of foreshadowing and um, there's three separate plot lines that all have to interconnect somehow at the end. Um, so I, I do plot, um, I usually, I tend to make myself like weird little Pinterest boards and I do something um, that I call a dirty plan, uh, which is essentially just like a notebook or, or something for me to scribble in. And it's just pages and pages of absolute drivel where I don't um, try and put it into neat uh, dot points. I don't try and categorize like world building characters, plot A, plot B, plot C, nothing like that going on. It's honestly just like whatever's in my head, I try and get it out of mm. my head and onto the page. And once I can see it there, I can sort of start to organize those things. Um, I tend to build the word that world that way as well. And I just keep asking myself questions about that world. Like if, well, if, you know, these people are in this hostile environment, like why are they there in the first place? And mm. if, if you're saying that this is how they got there, then why did they have to go there? And, and so I just keep asking myself questions about the world until I can answer them all um, in a way that makes sense. And, and then I develop my plot from there. Um, and, you know, I make sure that I've sort of got like this three act, eight sequence plot, but I don't follow it to the T because I find that's quite restrictive. And then I end up putting things into the story that I don't think necessarily should be there or need to be there. Um, so I, once I've sort of got uh, my three acts, um, and I know where the story is going to take a turning point and come back and I know well, who my characters are and I've got this sort of base outline of the world and those characters and this ter big terrible thing that they're either trying to conquer or that's going to befall them or whatever. Um, I look at the end and I make sure I know how I'm ending the story and I sort of flesh that out and then I kind of work backwards from there. So um, I have my ending and I'll like go back through um, act by act to make sure that I've got the foreshadowing that I need. And then from there, I go from the front of the story or the first chapter of the story and I work forward. So I'll write a full full chapter outlines before I start writing. Um, and those chapter outlines will usually just tell me what the main scene is in the chapter that I need to write and what the point of that scene is or how it's feathering the plot everything else is just filler and I can do it on the fly. So those side conversations that happen between characters or um, anything like that. But like each in each chapter, I need to know what the point of the chapter is, know whose point of view the chapter is coming from. Um, and that's sort of how I plan everything out. And then at least once every three chapters, something changes. And I go back to the drawing board and just jiggle it around a little bit. Um, and it's usually just because I've thought of some new idea or I've written it out and I'm actually like, actually, that's really boring and I don't like it. And so I'm just going to change a little bit. So I just, it's like this morphing plan that keeps changing as I go. Um, but yeah, that's how it works for me. And it just keeps me on track and it keeps me motivated to write as well. And it stops me from falling into this um, hole and this writer's block where I'm like, I don't know where the story is going mm. anymore. I don't really know how to write myself out of this hole that I've created mm. Um, because when that happens, the manuscript doesn't get finished. And I've got way too many unfinished manuscripts sitting on my desktop as it is. So I'm trying to Don't avoid we all. <laughs> having more. Yeah, indeed. And I'm trying to avoid having more um, because I'm no longer in a position where this is a hobby. Yeah. Um, and I've got deadlines now. So I can't really turn around to my publisher and be like, I'm afraid book three has fallen into a hole and I won't be resurrecting it. So yeah. peace out. Like that's not allowed to happen. Um, so I've got to be a little bit more. Um, 
strategic in the way that I outline books now to make sure that I'm not that's not happening. So you said that, um, you know, when you started your TikTok and you were gaining a little bit of a following that you were already writing before that. Was it Ledge or the Galatian trilogy that you were writing or was it something different? No, what I mean is I've been writing since I was like 17, 18. That's around the age where I thought I want to be an author. And then I uh, learned how poor you often are as an author very quickly after that. Starving artists for a reason. Starving (laughs) artists, yeah. And uh, so I did the sensible thing and made sure that my university degree was going to turn into an annual salary. So I went for teaching. Um, But I was writing. I was still writing um, mostly fantasy, but sometimes romance novels from around 17, 18 years of age onwards and just kept going with it as a hobby. I had a couple of kids in there and that was a good time for me to write because it was just something that I did for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really gratifying. But it, And a couple of times I wrote a manuscript and I thought, I'm going to try and sell this. I'm going to try and have it published. Never, ever considered self-publishing. Didn't know much about it either. Um, so I would try to get an agent or send it off to a publishing house. Um, usually not with as much gusto as one should put into something like that, querying agents and submitting to publishing houses. I would sort of just send it to like just one over there and one over there and get my rejections and go, oh, well, never mind. And then I'd throw the manuscript in the bin and start anew. Um, but when in 20 at the very end of the year December or January 2021 that's when I downloaded TikTok and discovered BookTok and that little corner um, of the platform and started getting involved in it and at that point I think um, there was something like 10 finished manuscripts sitting on my desktop and um, I had developed somewhat of a following and I finally told my husband about it because he was completely unaware of it (laughs) Did you not begin uh, filming them at this point? No, not at this point. No, I was just making fun of, uh, mostly I was just making fun of uh, book tropes and and Mm. making skits about them for a really long time. He didn't get involved until much later. Um, But, you know, he had no idea. And I had something like 11,000 followers that I'd accumulated really quickly. It was inside like a month. And I thought, I better tell him about it. Um, it seems more and more likely that someone from our real life will find this and tell him for me. And that seems wrong. So I said, I'm making videos of myself and putting them on the internet. And that's not how you want to introduce that to your husband. (laughs) Um, And I showed him my account and he was like, this is great, but what are you going to do with it? And I was like, nothing. Like maybe I'll, I'll get some free books from a publisher. That sounds great. Like people Mm -hmm. get like advanced copies of stuff. That sounds like something that I want. And he went, well, why don't you try and sell one of yours, you dickhead? And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> you're right. That's a good idea. And, um, but, you know, he was like, so which one of these manuscripts that you've written are you going to try and publish? And I was Had like, he read any of them? I'm going to start fresh. No, never. The first thing that he's read of mine has been Ledge. Okay. And even then he was like the last person in the family to read it. Um. He's is that coming from your okay yeah I was just gonna ask my husband's the same like he's read one of my books and the rest he's he hasn't even picked up because he's not I a reader actually so ne- oh, 
yeah I mean like it would have been hard for him to read one of my manuscripts unless I like literally printed it out for him like just passing in my laptop and being like read this um but no I never even bothered to ask him um it was always just like this secretive thing that I did for myself there wasn't even that many people in my real life that really knew that I did it yeah you know I sort of had like you know yeah and I like my family knew that I wrote um stuff as a as a hobby and Michael obviously knew I have maybe one or two friends um, of my close friends that were somewhat aware that I used to do it, but most Mm. of them, once I had this platform and once I was um, publishing Ledge, only then did they become aware. And one of them who I thought was completely, um, you know, up to date, she was like, do you still write? I was like, yeah. And she's like, I thought you stopped that years ago. And I was like, no, I never stopped. It's just not something that I spoke about. Or like I said, pursued um, mm. all that with all that much um, motivation because I just didn't think that any of the manuscripts were good enough either. I still don't think they're good enough. Um, but then I had this platform there and I so I thought, well, this is how I'm going to break into the publishing industry. I'm going to do it by self-publishing. So I learned myself real good in all things self-publishing, or at least I thought so. Um, I did all kinds of research and and luckily by then I'd made a few friends online who were self-publishing yeah. so I could talk to them and sort of um, get, you know, whatever tips and advice and and hacks and, and all the inside knowledge that they already had um, and managed to get myself, you know, an editor and commission a cover and, and work out how I was going to produce this book. And I had all that up and ready and I was doing um my all my social media content at the same time and, and continued developing the following somewhere in around there the fictional husband thing happened um and it kind of you're talking you're talking to someone who everyone follows me for my husband like the videos with him in it do significantly better than the videos with me in it but he oh, yeah, hates putting always. his face on the internet so oh does he oh yeah like roping him in <laughs> It takes like three days of groveling and like making him dinner and a foot massage. And then he'll be like, okay, maybe. No, not mine. My husband is like, <laughs> do you need me for a TikTok? It's been a few days since you asked. And like, are they missing me? Are you, your viewers <gasps> missing me? I'm like, no. He's like, they all follow you because they want to see me. Let's be honest. Uh, no, he's, um, he doesn't mind doing them at all. He's a show off. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't end up self-publishing. I sort of put it up for pre-order by myself, but um, somewhere in between me putting it up for pre-order and actually hitting publish, um, I got offered a book deal. So I took that instead and cancelled uh, my self-publishing plan. So how did the book deal happen? And hope for the best. Quite a long story. I'll try to keep it nice and condensed. But um, because of the following, um, the video that I finally posted to TikTok explaining the premise of the book and showing the cover and explaining that it was up for pre-order I expected that TikTok to flop and it didn't it went really well um it got not viral not viral at all but by the end of the week I it had something like 400,000 views and anyone who's been in this game long enough knows that like for a self-promotional video that's that's like huge striking gold yeah yeah um, it's one thing to post a TikTok of you being an idiot and you're getting millions of views, but quite nothing, another thing for just you very dryly saying, this is a book that I wrote, please go and order it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
about something else entirely. So it went really well. And um, so from there, I had these three emails sitting in my inbox at the end of the week. And two were from publishing houses here in Australia um, and one from a literary agent in the US. And um, I signed up with a literary agent after having a conversation with her, but it was under the idea that she could help me with things like foreign translation rights and audiobook deals, things that I wasn't going to be able to do um, as a self-published author by myself because I had no idea how. So I signed up with her with the idea she might be able to help me with things like that. And um, But then one of the publishing houses got back to me and said that they really liked the manuscript. So I thought I'd better let her know, my agent, that that was happening. <laughs> and I did. And she sort of went, do you want to traditionally publish this book? I thought you were self-publishing it. And I was like, no, I am self-publishing it. I just thought it would be really fun if I just gave it to a few publishing houses, you know, because they asked for it. She was like, if you want me to get you a traditional publishing deal, I can absolutely do that. Like I can do that next week if you want it. And I was like, that's not how this works. This like it, the publishing industry is a very slow moving machine. They're not going to get back to us in time. And I'm releasing this in a month. And she was like, if you delay it by a month, I can get you that book deal. So I did and she did. And we had two book deals and I got to pick the the one that I liked best um, and I signed with Angry Robot Books and it, it very soon after became a three book deal for the trilogy and um, yeah and it was just kind of this weird little um, gamble I suppose like I had these pre-orders sitting there that I'd sort of garnered myself and I had to decide whether it was worth throwing all of those in and refunding everyone and cancelling everything and um going with the traditional publishing and keeping in mind that if I decided to go with the traditional publishing, um, everyone was going to have to wait a year, including myself, because they needed a year yep. to, to publish it. So yeah, it felt like a huge risk at the time, but it really wasn't, it, or at least it was a risk that paid off dividends and um, because they've been wonderful and we've been able to make the book so much better than what it was um, before they got hold of it as well and before we had a like a team just working mm. to to bolster the entire trilogy and and make it what it is now so I'm very happy that that's the decision I ended up making because I think it's um it's done wonders for the story as well as for me personally if you are looking for the perfect bookish gift for the fantasy fiction lover in your life or simply want to treat yourself then you have to check out Story Collective from Akatar to Throne of Glass, Six of Crows to The Cruel Prince, they have stylish, high-quality jewellery that perfectly encapsulates your favourite quotes and characters. Shop today at estorycollective.com. So did you completely freak out when you got uh, publishing houses messaging you and an agent after so long? Uh... Yes and no. I had a moment of like how exciting, uh, but I also just thought this won't eventuate into anything. Um, my impression of the industry was that you you send in a query or you send in parts and pieces of your manuscript mm -hmm. and you hear back like three, four months later. And I had this release date that was two months ahead. Um, so I thought like by the time, even I've sent them my manuscript, but by the, by the time any of them get back, to me this book will already have been released and so the point mm. would be mute so as much as um it made me excited there was that factor but it was also the idea that they don't they only see um the following that I have online they see the interest that there is in the comment section of that one TikTok 
where I was sort of announcing that I was going to put out this book. Um, so they can see all of these things, but they can't see my writing. There's mm. still a very, very uh, likely possibility that they will read the manuscript and go, oh, no, wait, sorry. This is, in fact, awful. Um, but thank you so much for your time. So that's sort of where my my mindset was. I thought it's nice of them to ask me for the manuscript, but this won't eventuate into anything. And it's very likely that um, they'll see my writing and go, oh, no, sorry, we've, we've made a mistake. Um, and uh, whilst it was still like that path of traditional publishing was still full of rejection, um, it wasn't anywhere near the amount of rejection I sort of was expecting. Um, when the agent said she could get me a book deal, I didn't really believe her. I mm. delayed the release of the book for a month to give us a little bit more time, mm -hmm. but I still thought I'll just revert back to my normal plan when this doesn't eventuate into anything, when it fails. Um, so I did, still didn't really have that belief that anyone in the publishing, in the traditional publishing industry would be interested um, in anything that I had to write. Um, I saw myself and still see myself as a very amateur writer. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't sort of lose my shit or anything when I got those emails. They were um, more funny to me. Like I, I told my friends and family about it as though it was a big joke that we could all laugh about one day. I had no idea that I'd end up where I am now, um, but it's very exciting. And I'm just really glad that I, I took the chance and answered the emails and sent the manuscripts, even though I thought it was a pointless exercise. And um, because I, I very nearly just sent a reply saying, thank you so much, but I'm sorry, I'm going to release this in two months mm. and you guys won't have time to get back to me by then. Um, I think so yeah, that's really glad that I said yes. I think that self-deprecating humor that you have um, is why people do feel drawn to you. You know, your, your videos that you make are very comedic. They're very witty. They're very sarcastic, which I love. Um, <laughs> after the success that your book has had, do you find yourself having a bit more confidence in your writing and in yourself and kind of saying, hey, you know what, I'm actually good at this? I think it's the readers that give it to me, though, more than anyone else. I think um, hearing from people that I don't know that have um, absolutely no need to lie to my face, them telling me that they enjoyed the book helps to validate um, mm. the fact that I should be doing this and that I'm cut out for doing this. Um, but no, there's there's still so many voices that in my own head that tell me that this is all a flash in the pan and that it's going to collapse eventually and people will find out that I'm a fraud. Um, so there's still lots of imposter syndrome at play. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that will ever fully go away, but I am pretty good at telling those voices to hush and just getting on with it. Um, I definitely don't let them destroy a day's work. Um, I can often, yeah, I, I can often just move on from that quite quickly and just accept the fact that those voices might always be there, but I'm going to have to um, keep writing all the way through them regardless. Uh, yeah. And I enjoy it. And that's the reason why I do it. Um, if I ever lose this joy, then I'm done for because the reason I still write, despite the fact that sometimes I think that it's, it's not good enough, the writing's not good enough. The story isn't good enough. I'm not good enough. Um, it doesn't change the fact that I really enjoy writing, yeah. you know, even if it, even if those things are true, 
um, it's, it doesn't change. It doesn't take from the joy that it brings me. So I have to keep doing it, even if I'm not getting paid to do it, or even if no one's reading it, um, I'm going to have to keep doing it because it, it, it's just part of me now. I've been doing this for too long um, to stop doing it now. Um, yeah. There's just a lot more pressure. That's the only turning point. I never had imposter syndrome before I knew anyone was going to read it. You know, I never mm -hmm. wrote anything like this is no good. I should stop. I've never had that thought. I've had the thought of like, oh, like, you know, reading something back and going, oh, that was a piece of trash. That should definitely be rewritten. But there was no pressure. There was no weight on top of it. Mm. Um, yeah, I never took that sort of thing seriously. Uh, it was always just fun for me. It was cathartic. Um, I never had to worry about opinion. Um, and my own opinion didn't even really matter. Um, so, yeah, it's a, definitely a different game now. Uh, but and I think that imposter syndrome is just part and parcel. I don't think it's going to go away necessarily. Um, I think my confidence with my own writing uh, will probably just ever flow. I'm not sure if it's ever going to peak. I don't think um, I'll ever stop doing it because my self-confidence dips so low that I can't wrench myself back up out of it. I think it would just come and it will go. There'll be days where I'm feeling on top of the world and there'll be days where I'm feeling like at rock bottom um, with it and I'll have to keep writing on both of those kinds of days. So um, it just is what it is. It's it's part of this industry. It's part of creating art, something that's yeah. so subjective. I think it's part and parcel of being a creative person when you're putting so much of yourself into your work. And I'm sure there is pressure because you did such a good job with book one that now people are waiting on book two. So is oh, there anything you. that you so can nice. tell anyone who maybe even hasn't read book one and is now very interested to read it or someone who's waiting on book two? Is there a couple of little teasers that you could give just to entice people? Hmm. If people haven't read book one. It's hard when it's a trilogy, isn't it? Because then you're like, oh, I can't really give many yeah. teasers for book two without spoiling some of book one, right? Honestly, like marketing book two and teasing book two has been so, so difficult because if people haven't read book one and don't know the ending of book one, mm -hmm. then talking about book two almost spoils it. Mm -hmm. So it's been really difficult to talk about say anything about book two but um I can say that like there's lots of favorite characters um from book one that become a much bigger more integral part of the story in book two so um Baltice who's a mage um in book one and she was one of my favorite side characters um her and Dawson get to team up in in book two and Baltice is a very important part of the story and so it's really fun watching those two team up um, and sort of go on these quests together. Um, so that's really fun. Um, Salem and Ezra are my other two favourite side characters from Ledge just because they're fun and they're hilarious and they're stupid. Um, but they get to sort of provide the comic relief as well in book two. So I, I had so much fun writing their interactions together just because it was something light and humorous in a story that's sort of so serious. Um and sad at points that yeah. it's really nice to have those in there. So I like to reassure people that those characters are coming back and that they're very important. <laughs> so that um, I don't spoil anything for book one because literally talking about anything else will spoil something. And for people who haven't read Ledge yet? 
If you haven't read Ledge, Ledge is about a woman who lives in a civilization called the Ledge, which is an icy mountain shelf um, that she can't escape from. So she's barricaded in on one side by unclimbable mountain rock face. And on the other side, uh, the mountain, the, the shelf falls away into an uncrossable chasm. And uh, they were put there by these winged mountain creatures called glacians who raided the village in the valley, herded them up the mountain, flew them over the chasm and dumped them there and uh, seem intent on keeping them alive. But the people on the ledge don't really know why. They just know that at the beginning of every season, the glacians arrive once more. They swoop down onto the ledge, take a few people, carry them away, and no one knows what happens to them or what they're used for. Um, and Dawson's story is sort of um, begins once it's finally her turn to be selected. So a glacian swoops down and snatches her off the ledge on the first day of a new season. And she's carried across the chasm and into the glacian kingdom. And there she kind of learns what the hell's going on and um, what the glacian's ploy is. Um, and she makes a bid for escape and it's uh, with the help of an unlikely ally which is one of the Glacians and his name is Ryan and so it's an enemies to lovers fantasy it is very heavily quest based it has a found family um, and it's just it's it's my favorite thing that I've ever written. I love it I love um, anything with a quest Anything with a journey, oh, yeah. like fantasy journey, oh, quest, yeah. <laughs> that's that's up my street. And you have yeah. a, a title for book two. And can you tell us when it's I coming do. out? I do. So book two is called Chasm and it's coming out September 12th. Yes. So if anyone is really interested in reading them or finding out more about you, where can they do that? So my handles are at Stace Bookspace on Instagram and TikTok. That's where I'm most at. Uh, but I also have a website called stacymcewenbooks.com. Yes, and all of the links will also be in the description. So Stacey, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk about all things writing and books and obviously your books in particular. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for book two. Thank you so much, Hazel. This was so lovely. It's been so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for spending the time with us today. No, thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, then please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and I will catch you all next week.